Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Wednesday, October 4th. Well, as you have no doubt heard, for the first time in U.S. history, a Speaker of the House has been removed by a vote of the House in the middle of his term. Now, Kevin McCarthy insists that he wasn't the problem. Everybody's sitting there. In today's world, if you're sitting in Congress and you took a gamble to make sure government was still open and eight people can throw you out as Speaker and the Democrats who said they wanted to keep government open, I think you've got a real divide. I think you've got a real institutional problem. Institutional problem. Former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, after he was removed yesterday. So what happens now? Are the chances of a government shutdown next month even greater than they were with McCarthy in? Does the institution have a problem, as McCarthy argued there, or only the divided Republican Party? After House Republicans split their votes to sink McCarthy while all the Democrats hung together. And did the Democrats take the right gamble voting in a kind of strange bedfellows coalition, if you think about it, with Matt Gates and the MAGA 8 to make that history? Time will tell. We'll get one Democratic congressman's view of all this now and talk about some other issues, too. It's Congressman Richie Torres of the Bronx. Congressman, always good to have you. Welcome back to WNYC. Always a pleasure to be here. You know, we talked on the show the last two days in anticipation of yesterday's vote about what's better for the country from the Democrats' point of view. Keep McCarthy in after he helped you avoid a government shutdown over the weekend or enable the most radical right faction to punish him for doing so. Now we know the Democrats chose enable, or is that not the word you would use? I think it's... It's hard to argue that Speaker McCarthy has been good for the country. Um, the world has been witnessing a Republican Party at war with itself, creating the most dysfunctional, ungovernable house where the inmates are essentially running the asylum. And under Speaker McCarthy, the house has lurched from crisis to crisis to crisis. It has gone from the longest speaker vote in more than a century to a near default on the nation's debt, to a near shutdown of the federal government, to his overthrow, which is the first time in the 234-year history of Congress. And so we've seen nothing but crisis, chaos, and confusion. So I just have trouble, you know, the notion that Speaker McCarthy has been good for the country is unpersuasive in light of the facts. Right. But if just a handful of you on the Democratic side had voted maybe present and basically abstained, Kevin McCarthy would be speaker today rather than, we don't know yet, maybe Steve Scalise or Elise Stefanik or whoever comes next, who arguably, from your point of view, would be even worse for the country by being even further to the right than McCarthy, for example, and as a first order of business, more likely to allow a government shutdown when the current stopgap measure expires next month? Or or do you disagree that that's more likely now? I, I would make a few points. I mean, first, within the Democratic caucus, there's a presumption 
against Speaker McCarthy, right? The burden felt the burden felt you know fell on him to reach out to Leader Jeffries in pursuit of a negotiated outcome. You know, the ball was in his court, and he refused to negotiate. And so, how can we possibly save a speaker who refuses to negotiate with Democrats? I mean, that was a choice that he made. And you know, keep in mind that Speaker McCarthy came to realize that his strategy of appeasing the far right was destined to fail because you cannot placate the implacable. And his removal became inevitable the moment he agreed to a single member threat single member threshold for a motion to vacate. It only took one member to file a motion to remove him from speaker. That's something to which he he agreed. He cut a deal with the devil. And in so doing, he planted the seeds of his own overthrow, right? right. He, he was and, a victim of the very extremes that he empowered. No, no question. But the quest, the question for the Democrats is not up or down. Do you have confidence in Speaker McCarthy? I mean, it was technically that in the vote to vacate. But like an election, the vote for the Democrats is, do we choose Speaker McCarthy with all the things we don't like about him or... Do we roll the dice on somebody who might be even worse? We could not support. It, it, it is unreasonable to expect House Democrats to bail out a Republican speaker for free without extracting anything that advances Democratic values. None of us were elected to save Kevin McCarthy from the extremes of his own party. And we were open to a negotiated outcome, but he refused to negotiate. What would you have us do? Now, his likely successor, Scalise, is an establishment Republican like him. Uh, so it's not clear to me that it's going to represent a fundamental shift in the operations of the House. And one more point worth making, you know, there had been a breach of trust between Speaker McCarthy and House Democrats. Speaker McCarthy negotiated an agreement with President Biden around spending limits, only to renege on the agreement. He broke his word. How can we negotiate with someone we cannot trust, someone who consistently right. broke his word? Yeah. And, and then he opens that... a kangaroo investigation into President Biden. Right. And he um, has enabled so many MAGA or far-right positions that that faction wanted. He denounced Trump for causing January 6th when the riot was in progress. But then when he saw that a lot of Republican America supported it, or at least supported Trump still, went to bow at Trump's feet at Mar-a-Lago and only talk about how Trump was wronged. He gave January 6th footage to Tucker Carlson, so Carlson could come up with a fake video mashup version of the insurrection, launched this uh, impeachment inquiry into Biden, as you say, and other things too. So I'm curious, just as a point of history, why you think he then bucked the MAGA right on the government shutdown, knowing he put his speakership at risk? Why this issue, do you think? Okay, it, it, it's, look, I, I, I have no insight into the psyche of Kevin McCarthy, but I have to imagine he came to realize that the House caucus was ungovernable and that he was a doomed man. You know, the moment he agreed to a rule change in which one member like Matt Gates, could introduce a resolution to remove him, 
you know, he set up, he set himself up for failure. Uh, so, you know, his removal was shocking, but it was not surprising. Right. Given but the he caved to the gates. He caved to the, I, I guess you don't know the answer to this question. Maybe nobody knows the answer to this question yet, but he caved to the gates wing on so many things since he agreed to that rule, what was it, January, that made him so vulnerable. Um, so he kept caving to them so they wouldn't bring up this motion to kick him out, but this time he didn't, knowing he was putting his speakership at risk. So for some reason that maybe is unknowable in this conversation, he decided to stand up to them on this one thing. Look, if I had to speculate, you know, the, the fact that he chose to bring a continuing resolution to keep the government open, knowing that it would alienate the far right, and the fact that he refused to negotiate with the Democrats, knowing that he needed our votes, you know, those two facts would seem to suggest that he was resigned to his removal as speaker. Here's another clip of McCarthy from his post-removal news conference yesterday in which he asserts the Democrats share the blame. Interesting, it was in this room after we had won the majority, I had became speaker less. And Nancy Pelosi came to me. She was speaker at the time on the way out. And I told her I was having issues with getting enough votes. And she said, what's the problem? I said, they want this one, one person can really out. She was the only speaker to have changed that rule. I had the power to call the vote on her, but I never would. I lost some votes because of it. Um, and she said, just give it to him. I'll always back you up. I made the same offer to Boehner and same thing to uh, Paul, because I believe in the institution. I think today was a political decision by the Democrats. And I think, I think the things they have done in the past hurt the institution when they just started removing people from committee. Kevin McCarthy yesterday there, Congressman Richie Torres, Democrat from the Bronx here. I think he was saying there that Nancy Pelosi made a promise to him as minority leader um, or a promise to Boehner before him and in some way to him that the Democratic caucus failed to keep, that the Dems would have his back to prevent removal by a tiny group of Republicans by giving him enough votes to survive. But when it came down to it, you didn't. Is that how you hear that clip? And does he have reason to feel betrayed? He has no reason to feel betrayed. And it, it is well known in D.C., that Nancy Pelosi has nothing but contempt for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, the two of them had a poisonous relationship. And I have trouble imagining former Speaker Pelosi committing to saving McCarthy from the extremes of his own party. You know, Kevin McCarthy should take responsibility for his own removal because he chose to empower the extremes of his party to remove him. He agreed to a single single member threshold, a single member requirement for a motion to vacate. We, we the Democrats, we removed that requirement back in 2019. He restored it, knowing that it would likely result in his removal. So he made that decision, and he has to grapple with the consequences of his decision. And it was not a Democrat who filed the motion to vacate. It was a Republican who filed the motion to vacate. And his other point that Democrats have contributed in recent years to the decline of the institution and respect for each other's sides by removing certain Republican members from committees when you had the majority under Pelosi? Fair point? We, we removed Republicans who threatened violence 
against members who made racist comments, who engaged in behavior that's unbecoming of a member of Congress. So if you view these cases on, if you view these cases one by one, uh, I, I suspect you would conclude that our actions were proper. We, we removed people like Paul Gosar, who has a long history of racism and anti-Semitism. Catherine in Ossining, you're on WNYC with Congressman Richie Torres. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Um, I am curious, speaking of power sharing, is there any road to having Hakeem Jeffries become, become a speaker? Congressman, any road in this so closely divided Congress where a few votes either way could tip who the speaker is to having Hakeem Jeffries, currently the minority leader, become the speaker? It's possible. Not probable, but it's possible, and it could become more possible over time, you know, because Congressman Santos is at risk of of a conviction and expulsion, and Kevin McCarthy himself might resign. Uh, so there, you know, the, the four-seat majority of the Republicans might shrink even further. And if there are Republicans who are willing to vote for Hakeem Jeffries as Speaker, then you could see a shift in power before the next election. It's not probable, but it's theoretically possible. Before the next election, if a few seats change hands, would be how? Do you think another way to get there before the next election might be a few Republicans in swing districts, let's say Republican members of the House and districts that voted for Biden and can't stand the far right of the Republican Party, that a few of those members might actually switch and become Democrats. We have seen this uh, over time, as you know. Um, I think more recently, one or two Democrats switched to the Republican Party based on the composition of their districts. Do you see any prospect of that in the coming months? You know, one never knows, but, um, you know, I'm skeptical that there are genuine moderates in the Republican Party. You know, it, it, you know, it seems to me in the House Republican Conference, there are extremists and then there are enablers. And, he, you know, many of the moderate Republicans, including here in New York, are enabling the extremes of the Republican Party. Uh, so the phenomenon of a moderate Republican is not only an endangered species, I would argue it's extinct within the House of Representatives. Yeah, but that scenario would have nothing to do with what those individuals believed. You know, it's a real politic scenario where they feel like their seat is at risk because of the composition of their district and how the district would react to events. But you don't see it. I don't see it because I've seen no leadership from them. Um, you know, those members had an opportunity to sign a petition to discharge to, to you know, when, when, it, when it felt like we were going to heading toward a government shutdown or heading toward a default in the nation's debt, not a single one of the so-called moderate Republicans joined the Democrats in signing a petition to discharge. Not one of them. Keith in the Bronx, you're on WNYC with Bronx Congressman Richie Torres. Hi, Keith. Hi, good morning, all. Um, I think um, this is a travesty to the country because we'd be running this like this is a sporting event. And um, I know the Congressman um, Richie Torres. Um, I worked on his campaign. Um, and this is a travesty. For what Kevin McCarthy said, he blaming the Democrats. 
This is not about Democrats nor Republicans. This is about the country. And Republicans have shown that. I'm a vet. You have one of the, the Republican senators holding up appointments in for um, leadership in the military. So this is the game they're playing. I think we really need to be had. We need to go to where Matt Gates is. He's representing in Florida and have a conversation with their, those folks in Florida because this is hurting the country. This is not about the individual. And they need to do term limits of all these guys because they talk about Biden and about his age. You got some new folks who just come in there and just do what they want to do, and they're not doing the bidding of the people. The Constitution says it's about the people, we the people. I don't see this as about we the people. Congressman? I agree with much of what he said. I agree that we should have an age limit because Congress is becoming a gerontocracy. Or had you know, but but there is a new generation of leadership. Um, I agree that Matt Gates is a problem. You know, Matt Gates views Congress as a stage on which to perform. You know, and if he wants to be engaged in political theater, you know, he belongs in professional wrestling, not in the United States Congress. So, you know, he's poisonous to the institution, and you know, he has no admirers either on the Democratic side or the Republican side. But. But I want to underscore that, you know, Democrats have been acting responsibly, you know, you know, when when we when, when it felt like we were on the brink of a government shutdown, you know, all the, most of the leaders came together, Major, majority leader Chuck Schumer, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries all agreed upon a bipartisan compromise to keep the government open and the only holdout was Kevin McCarthy. The only holdout were House Republicans. House Republicans are the most extreme and dysfunctional political faction that I've ever seen and that this country has ever seen. Now what, Congressman? Government shutdown more likely when the current stopgap measure that McCarthy fell on a sword for expires in the middle of next month, about 10 days before Thanksgiving. Talk about the government shutdown narrative now. So last Saturday, we passed a continuing resolution that will keep the government open for 45 days. Um, under the House rules, when the office of speaker becomes vacant, there is a temporary speaker or an acting speaker or a speaker pro temp. It's Patrick McHenry, who happens to be the chair of financial services, the committee in which I sit. Uh, he will preside over the House until the selection of a new speaker. Uh, and rumor has it that um, we are aiming, the Republicans are aiming to select a new speaker by by next Tuesday or Wednesday. Whether it can get done is an open question, but but it could happen as early as next week. And what happens in 45 days or 45 days minus four or wherever we are now on that exact once, uh, timeline once, toward the next government shutdown cliff? Look, once we have a new speaker in place, uh, then we can resume the regular business of the house. Um, and, but, you know, regardless of who is the speaker of the house Republican conference, the, the house is going to be ungovernable because of the extremism of the far right, which is in control of the house Republican conference. So that that's going to be a challenge, no matter who is occupying the office of speaker. I mean, this is the problem with funding for Ukraine is that the overwhelming majority of both Democrats and Republicans in Congress support aid to Ukraine, 
but it's been effectively vetoed by the far right of the Republican conference in the House. Few of the texts coming in on this. One listener writes, will the Democrats make gleeful political hay from this congressional disarray at the expense of governing? Another listener writes, who needs another January 6th? The insurrections are already in the building. Shame on the right wing. Another one writes, this will go a long way to confirm the public's disgust with Congress. Another listener writes, next House Speaker will be worse than the last one for Democrats' guarantee. Um, another one writes, the moderate Republican is as rare as the progressive Dem. Brian, we've been trying so-called bipartisanship my entire life, and to what avail? The poor people are always left out of the equation. What about the Matt Gates main fiscal point that we have more than... I think the number is $30 trillion accumulated debt, a trillion or more this year alone. This is the start of a new government fiscal year, October 1st. This is when you need to make structural changes to avoid leaving our kids with debt bombs in a number of years, maybe not that far away. That's what the government shutdown or risk government shutdown, you know, in pursuit of major spending cuts faction was arguing. What about that actual content point? Again, Matt Gates has no credibility. I mean, he's not a fiscal conservative. He's a fiscal hypocrite. Uh, he was in favor of a government shutdown that would have cost us billions of dollars. He was in favor of defaulting on the nation's debt, which would have raised the cost of debt, causing us to become more indebted, not less. So all of his policy prescriptions, if you want to call them that, would, would, would deepen the debt crisis in America. And, and, and to the extent that he wants to reduce the debt, he wants to do it on the backs of the poor without raising a penny in taxes from the wealthiest. Um, he's against IRS enforcement against tax cheating. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Matt Gates and the Republican Party have no credibility on the subject. And most of the debt that has been accumulated in America has come from the Republican Party. It's come from the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq massive tax cuts for the rich, uh, the great recessions that began under George W. Bush and Donald Trump. Um, so, you know, there's a disconnect between the rhetoric of the Republican Party and the reality of their governance. Congressman Richie Torres, we always appreciate your time. Thank you very, very much. Always a pleasure. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.